You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are we doing, everybody? It's good to see y'all. It's good to see you here. It's good to see you there. I can't see you, but you can see me. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad you're here in person online. I'll put my mask away until service is done, right? And uh, uh, get the oxygen level back up. It's hard to breathe in those things, man. Um, glad you're here. Continuing our series, Directionally Challenged. And uh, as you're going to Genesis chapter 40, I just want to remind you, you saw the video of the service time change. And uh, here's the thing we can all agree. These are just weird times, crazy times. And so we're just got to be flexible with each other. We may have some more changes. You know, it's just amazing. One press conference can change the whole trajectory of how we do things around here, right? And uh, so thank you for being flexible. Thank you for being with us. But I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out today masked up and served at our our mobile food pantry. So we served over 486 individuals, uh, uh, several hundred families. We gave out all the food. There was lines of cars uh, to come and get food. And so thank you for being a part of that. So if you were here serving, I appreciate you. I love you guys. And uh, you are doing an incredible work in our community. And uh, for those of you who gave financially to that, who gave time for that, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're making a tremendous impact in, in our community. And, and that's one of the things that kind of dictates what we can and can't do around here is really manpower. It, it's just as we get volunteers, then we can do things. And so we're, we're, try, we're trying to get things lined up for more ministries to launch and get kicked off. But that's all dependent on, on, on where caseload go and, and numbers and all of that. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being flexible. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you for supporting us. So Genesis chapter 40 and 41 is where we're going to be tonight. And uh, uh, looking at Joseph, the life of Joseph, um, I kind of thought about not coming up and preaching after Adam gave the end of the story. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Adam. But uh, I hope you've read it. And if you haven't read it, go ahead and read ahead in, in this, this life of Joseph, the story of Joseph. There's incredible things that we learn. And, and as I read through it, every time I, I see something different. And, and where we're going tonight, where I feel the Holy Spirit wants to take us tonight, is really looking at Joseph and his interaction in, in, in chapter 40 and 41 and, and really kind of coming into this concept of, of you and I being the church and people who are followers of Jesus, we're called to lead people in the right direction. And we pick up with Joseph. Joseph's still in prison in chapter 40. And uh, a strange thing happens is the cupbearer and the baker for Pharaoh, the king, they make them upset. They get thrown into the, into the king's prison. It says, sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. So we pick up, Joseph was in prison where we left off last week. He's still in prison. And then two two of the chief people in Pharaoh's household get thrown into prison. It says they continued for some time. We can, read, we can read scripture and read through this and think, oh, this was just that verse. You know, you know that was just a, a few minutes ago that Joseph was in prison. Oh, th- th- this is just a little bit of time. There, there's a considerable amount of time that has passed that Joseph was with these guys. And what happened is they both had a dream. 
And, and, and Joseph sees that their face is, is downtrodden and they, they're troubled by it. And in verse 7, he says, uh, uh, he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said, we've had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So, so they start begin, they tell Joseph the dream. The cupbearer has a dream. He said, I've got these, 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 these vines that were shooting out of my head, and, and, and they produced grapes, and I, I was serving Pharaoh again, and Joseph's listening, and he's probably like, what did you eat for dinner last night? But Joseph interprets his dreams. Joseph doesn't point to himself to say, I'm glad you came to me because I can tell you what this means. He said, don't interpretations belong to God? And by the power of God, the favor of God on Joseph, he interprets the dream. He says, this is a good thing for you, cupbearer, because in three days' time, Pharaoh's going to reestablish you, and you're going to once again serve, serve the Pharaoh. You're going to be saved. And so the baker's like, I had a dream too. And so he's thinking, like, maybe I can get in this line, and I'm going to find out, hey, there's something good coming. And he says, I had a dream, and I had these three cakes on my head, but the birds were eating it, and it was just kind of... It's kind of nasty, and Joseph's like, it's not going well with you, buddy. He's like, in three days' time, you're going to be, some, some translations say impaled, and some say hanged. Either way, that's a bad day. I mean, either way, you know, how do you share that with the baker? Man, you've baked your last cake. You know, what is it, the, the great baking challenge? I mean, there's HGTV, and we watch all these food competition shows, and he's like, you just got chopped. I don't know. I don't know how Joseph delivers that news, but that's not good news. But with the cupbearer, this is what, what he says. When it was a favorable outcome, Joseph says this in verse 14 to the cupbearer. He's like, you're going to be restored. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. This is the first time in verse 15. It's the first time I've heard Joseph talk about being wrongly accused and where he's at. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I've done nothing that they should put me into the pit. So he, he tells the cupbearer, he says, it's going to go well with you. You're going to be restored. And when you're restored, would you remember me? I mean, I think of the thief on the cross when he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I'm sure the cupbearer in that moment, I'm going to be restored. I got you, man. I got you. And so we see it go down, uh, when you go down to verse 23, I know I'm skipping through. I want to leave, give you time to read. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to get you out of here before the next service. So go down to verse 23. It says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I mean, God, here's what we've talked about in this series. God has given us a dream. God gives a dream into our life. God gives a purpose and a calling into our life. And where we start to really get directionally challenged with that dream is when we put our dream in the hands of someone else. The fulfillment of God's purpose of your life is not dependent on what other people do or do not do for you. God didn't give them their dream. He didn't give them your dream. God gives us a dream. He gives us a calling. And what we've got to do is we've got to steward that, that calling. We've got to steward that purpose. We've got to steward that dream. You know, I, I end up meeting with a lot of, of pastors and church planters. And I continue to tell them, I'm going to help you in every way I can with your calling, with your church, but I'm not doing it for you. 
God's called you to do this. You've got to walk the road. I will help you. And, and, and I know, I know we, we, we put a lot of faith and hope in other people, and I have great relationships, and I have relationships that I can put that trust in, but I'm still not dependent on them to fulfill God's calling for my life. They help me. They walk with me. They encourage me. They correct me. They, they'll, they'll even discipline me. But, but ultimately, the fulfillment of God's dream in my life is, is on me. And I've got to trust that God's got that purpose and that plan. And his timing and his promises never fail. There's so many times I wish God would speed ahead. But there's, God just says, I've got to teach you something in this moment. And a lot of it, a lot of it for me is patience, y'all. Because I struggle with patience. I, I struggle with traffic. I struggle with delays. I mean, one time Heather and I were sitting on an airplane that was delayed. I know you've probably never heard of that situation, but it happened one, one time. And I'm getting antsy. And I was like, why are you getting so antsy? We're, we're, going on, we're going on vacation. You should be in relax mode, chill mode. Why are you so uptight? And I finally could put vocabulary to why I felt that way. I told Heather, I looked at her and I said, I'm in a place that should be a place of motion and I'm sitting still. That's why I have trouble sitting in traffic. I get in the car. I don't get in the car to sit. I get in the car to go. And I struggle with it. And a lot of times God's like, Matt, I've got you in this situation, and you need to learn something here, buddy. You know, you need to slow down and let me be God. Let me be in control. Let me deal with this. And we start to think, well, God, okay, I got the lesson. I'm going to be patient. Can we go now? Chapter 41 starts out after two whole years. There are things that when we don't want to wait two whole days, two whole hours. I mean, we've gotten in a, we're a streaming culture and we, I, I, want to see, I want to see the bar moving quickly. I mean, when I, when I click download, I want to see, I want it to go. Lightning fast internet. We want lightning fast speed. We want lightning fast revelation. We want lightning fast fulfillment. We want everything now. Two years, Joseph sits in this prison still. And, and I, it doesn't say that he complained. I, I don't know. I'm human. But I would sit there and go, man, I've set that dude up. I told him what was going to happen. And I said, remember me. He's like, I got you, brother. Where are you at? Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. Now, Pharaoh's dream is a little weird. He, he has a dream, and he sees seven fat cows come out of the Nile, the, the river. So they're grazing in these reeds, and he's watching them, and then all of a sudden, seven, like, scrawny cows, I mean, bony, just like, man, what happened to that cow? I mean, lean beef is, is an understatement. But he sees that the, the weak and the, the, the skinny cows eat the fat cows. But he says, but they stayed weak and they stayed small and they, they just stayed unhealthy. And, and, and he wakes up and then he falls back asleep. And then he sees this, this, this grain stalk or this, this corn stalk grow up. And he sees seven ears of corn. He says, they're plump and they're juicy, you know, and they're just, man, you can just see that they're vibrant. And then seven other ears of corn come up and they look awful. But they consume the good ones, but still look bad. And he wakes up, and he's trying to figure out what this means. It says that his heart was troubled by the dream. 
So in the morning, this is verse 8, so in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the cupbearer said to Pharaoh, ah, he says, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in, in the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When, when we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh said, go get him. He sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he'd shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Again, Joseph points to God. Look, there's, a, there's times when we're in situations that we don't want to be in. And a tendency that we have is to become self-promoters. Well, Pharaoh, yeah, it's a good thing the cupbearer remembered me finally because I'm the only one that can tell you your dream. No, he's just, it's not in me. Only God can do this. God can do this. And I think it's a beautiful picture of humility that you see in Joseph. That he said to the cupbearer, he says, remember me, so that, that maybe Pharaoh will have favor on me and I can get out of this pit. Two years later, he's still there in prison and he doesn't, he doesn't promote himself. He didn't say to Pharaoh, well, I'll tell you what, I, I can interpret those dreams, but you know, if you'll get me out of prison and set me up in something else, then I can help you with those dreams. I mean, we look to so many things to try to fulfill our dreams. And when it's not happening, we start promoting ourselves to try to get other people to move things forward. And Joseph, I love his honesty here. So Pharaoh tells him the dream. He said, here's, here's the dreams that I have. And Joseph interprets the dreams and he tells Pharaoh what he should do. He says, he says look, you're going to have, the dreams are the same. You're going to have seven years of plenty. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph proceeds to give him a plan for what he should do. What you need to do, Pharaoh, is you need to appoint someone over Egypt. You need to appoint someone over this so that what they can do is in the good years, those seven good years, they take a fifth of all the crops and they begin to store those. They put them in the storehouses so when the famine hits, there's enough grain to feed everyone. And Joseph is just, he's given this wisdom. Remember, God's favor was on him in Potiphar's house. God's favor was on him in the prison. God's favor is going to be on him in front of Pharaoh. I mean, Jesus even told the disciples, when you get drugged before rulers and authorities and kings, don't worry about what you're going to speak. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to speak through you. And so the favor, the anointing, the presence of God is on Joseph, and he's telling Pharaoh, these dreams, this is what God's going to do. God's giving you an advance warning. God's telling you what's going to happen, and here's what you need to do to prepare for it. You need to appoint someone over it. And then verse 37, it says, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne, I will be greater. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. The dude just went from the pit to the palace. Not self-promoting, but pointing to God. And he gets to ride in the chariot. And what you know what they shout in the chariot as they're coming through? Bow your knee to this man. What was Joseph's dream? That one day, all the, your, your sheaves will be down. Now, it's not his brothers that are bowing down to him. It's not his, his family yet. But we see God taking Joseph through an incredibly difficult journey to put him as the second in command over Egypt. And, and so you understand something about, about the, the world at that time. Egypt was the superpower. Egypt was kind of the world. I mean, Egypt was very powerful. And here Joseph is, a kid who shared a dream he had with his brothers. They hated him. They threw him in a, fi- a pit. They sold him off. And then he ends up in Potiphar's house. He gets framed. And then he gets sent to prison. And he sits in prison. And he has favor. And then he meets the cupbearer and the baker. And he interprets some dreams that God, God is speaking through him. And then he ends up getting promoted to number two in all of Egypt. And now he's got a plan, not just to save himself or his family, but verse uh, chapter 50 tells us, Adam said it earlier, that what you intended for evil, God has turned for good. But the rest of that verse is that this came about so that many people could be saved. God put Joseph in that position to save lives. He put Joseph in that position, not to point to himself, not to point to Pharaoh, not to point to storehouses of grain, but to point ultimately to God. Because Joseph served the Lord and he was faithful with it. And we see every time Joseph engaged with people, regardless of the situation he was in, he always pointed to God. We see him with Potiphar's wife. She wanted a different engagement. The engagement he had with Potiphar's wife was, I'm not going to walk in this wickedness. I'm not going to sin against God. I'm holding on to my integrity. I'm holding on to my character. We find him in prison. He holds on to his integrity. He does share his story with the cupbearer. There's nothing wrong with sharing your story, but are we doing it to promote ourselves? Are we doing it to, to share, to say, look, this is what's going on with my life. When he gets in front of Pharaoh, the ruler, here's what you, this is what God's saying, Pharaoh, and here's what that means, and here's what you need to do. And Pharaoh says, your discernment and wisdom I haven't seen yet. I've not met anybody that, that, that's, that thinks the way you think. He gives him his signet ring. That's the authority. And he places him in charge. But every time, Joseph leads them in the right direction. Even, what I love about this, even Joseph was directionally challenged himself, but still took every opportunity to lead others. All Joseph knew is I had this dream and now my life just seems to be spiraling out of control. But I will trust God. I will continue to put my faith and my hope and my, my, this dream that God gave me back in his hands. I'm gonna continue to do that. 
I'm going to be faithful to steward what I know. We, we are in difficult times, and there's so many things we can't predict, and we want to know, and is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? What's going to happen with all this? And, and here's what we can all agree on. We do not know. But we need to be able to steward what we do know. We've got the promises of God. We've got the greatest message the world will ever hear, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down as God in the flesh and gave his life on a cross and paid for the penalty of our sin and rose victorious on the third day. And through his name, we have deliverance. Through his name, we have life. Through his name, we have hope. Through his name, we have salvation. Through his name, we have reconciliation. Through his name, we can have the unity that we're trying to get in our communities. Let's steward what we know. This message, that's the greatest message the world will ever hear. Let's take that to the world and go, I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. There's a man named Jesus that can do something in your life that you could never imagine. And what that means is we've got to step into discipling. We got this, this word discipleship, you hear it in churches. Discipleship is just this. It, it, it's me growing closer in my walk with Jesus. Me following him closer and closer and closer. And part of discipleship is being able to bring others along in that relationship, that they grow in this. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, go, go into all the world. He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. He says, teach them to obey my commands. That was the great commission that, that you and I, have, and when we put our life in Jesus' hands, when we, when we experience that, that salvation, we become disciples of Jesus. And what our calling is, is then to go make other disciples. So when people engage with us, we lead them in the right direction. And this is, this is a scary thing for a lot of Christians because we start to minimize ourselves and go, I just don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm good enough. Let, 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 me, let me help you with something in this. The way we're going to help directionally challenge people get going in the right direction is we got to start going there too. We got to start before we arrive. Too many times we think, I can't do anything for the kingdom of God until I achieve this I can't lead anyone to Christ until, 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 I've got, until I've got all this Bible memorized. Let me tell you, some of the coolest things I've seen are sitting down to talk with people or getting the phone call from people in our church that, that they're just so excited and giddy and they call me like, you're not gonna believe what just happened. It's like, I don't know what just happened. They're like, I just led someone to Jesus. I was like, well, tell me about it. Like, man, it was, it was awkward. It was, you know, I didn't, I felt like I didn't know a lot, but God gave me the words and, and, and I got to lead them to Jesus. And they're, they're just, they're just, I can just, if I'm on the phone with them, there's just this feeling you get even through the phone. And too many times you're like, I, I don't think I could lead anyone to Christ because, because I just don't know enough scripture. What if, what if they ask me something I don't know? You know what, take that pressure off. Let me help you with something. They're going to ask you something you don't know. Well, how does that feel? Welcome to my world. I mean, I get emails and texts and messages, and you're asking me stuff I don't know. But here's what we do come along with me. I don't know the answer, but let's get into the Word of God and see what it says. Wait, I've just started taking someone in the Bible, I've just started discipling someone. The other day I was at the grocery store and, and, and 
there's some stores that I love to just walk around, but there's some stores I just want in and out. And, and the grocery store, to me, it's in and out. Uh-uh. And I can't find something, so I walk in, and I, I ask one of the employees, I say, can you tell me where this is? And I expected them to, to kind of look up and say, well, it's over on aisle, whatever. He got up. He goes, yeah, I know exactly where that's at, sir. He said, come with me. And he walks me over to the aisle, and he's telling me, he's like, yeah, it should be about, about halfway down on the top shelf. And, and he's, well, I don't think, well, I can find it from here, you know. And then also he's like, oh, here it is. And he gets the bottle down for me, and he hands it. And he says, you have a wonderful day, sir. It changed my whole shopping experience. I mean, his name is Terrence, and every time I go into that store now, I'm going to find Terrence. Like, how you doing, man? See, when we bring someone along with us, it changes their day. It changes their life. It changes everything about the relationship because you're now bringing people along with you. And we just get so afraid that we just never start. We got to start somewhere. And that starting point is not, not the destination. What our starting point is, is we start pointing that resource to God. God knows how to do it. I don't know. God's got the answer. Let's find God, the answer. Joseph did that every time. Interpretations aren't me. It's God. And Joseph starts pointing to God as a resource, but there is some equipping that we need to do. I mean, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't elevate discipleship to the point of, yay, yeah, you're watching a church service. Discipleship is let's get in and study the word. Let's get in and see what God's word says. Let's, let's, it's, what, it's what 2 Timothy teaches us, that we are to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. The reason Joseph could step up in these engagements is he was prepared. He, he was spending time with the Lord. And so for us to engage and point to God, we got to know God. I mean, how many times have you gotten lost? We've all gotten lost. So does, I've never been lost. Yes, you have. Let's get honest. We're in church. But you get lost and you ask someone for directions and you realize a few seconds into that conversation, they have no clue. You're just like, huh, how quickly can I end this conversation to figure my own way out? When we, when we point people to God, we, we need God as the resource. I learned this long ago that, that my abilities, my strengths, my gifts... They're far inadequate to do what God's called me to do. I need the resource of the Holy Spirit at work in me. I need the power and the presence of God at work in my life. And someone says, man, that was good. And you know what? That was God. You know, and, and be humble with it. But, but we've got we've to we've get people in that direction, and we're pointing them to the source, leading them in the right direction. And what I've learned about this whole discipling is we grow when we grow others. When you, when you look at Joseph and these interactions with the, you know, the baker didn't go well, but he still engaged with him. Actually, I think I, I, think I learned more from his, his interaction with the baker than the cupbearer, because the cupbearer, you can give good news, right? Hey, in three days, you're going to be restored. But the baker... That's a tough conversation. Many of us are unwilling to have those tough conversations. 
See, discipleship is this. It's earning the right to go there and then going there. When you, when you look in, in chapter 40, the baker's standing on the sideline and he, he's hearing the cupbearer tell Joseph his dream. And when, it says that when he saw that Joseph gave a favorable interpretation, then he engaged Joseph. Let me tell you my dream. So, so he engaged Joseph. Joseph had earned the right to go there because the baker had seen him interact with the cupbearer. And so the baker's like, tell me what, tell me, give me the truth. There's people walking around that need truth. And we've got to be able to have those conversations. And that's part of being a disciple. It means we speak the truth in love. But look, there's a lot of loving truth that needs to be spoken in our community. And when we do that, look, we're, we're, we're promoting others, but God begins to promote us. Joseph didn't self-promote. He promoted others. God promotes him. As Joseph is helping others, God is helping him. It's, it's that resource. It's, a, it's what Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron. You know what's great about that? Both get sharp. When I, when I sharpen you, you don't just get sharp and I get dull. We both get sharp. That's the blessing of God. That's the power of God at work. That's where Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive in, in, in Acts chapter 20 as Paul's quoting Jesus. And what does that mean? There's a blessing when I'm pouring out. There's a blessing when I'm walking in the fulfillment of God. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm giving of money, God says, you're not going to outgive me. And I tell you, you're going to be more blessed. And I get so much fulfillment in seeing what God does with my dollar. When, I, when I'm giving my time, when I'm preparing to teach for you, God is teaching me. I'm learning. I learn more when I teach. I receive more when I serve. I get more when I give. It just doesn't work in man's economy, but with the way God sets up in his kingdom, he says, this is the way it works. It's more blessed to do this. And when I start pouring into other people, God pours into me because God says, I'm not going to owe you anything, so I'm going to bless you in it. And we begin to walk in this blessing, in this favor of God. And what happens is we begin to be promoted by God to lead others in the right direction. We point them where we need to go. We think about the favor of God on Joseph's life. I mean, we can either go glass half empty or glass half full and go, well, it was a rough life. Or we can go, man, God was faithful every step of the way. And you find yourselves, I find, we find ourselves in places in life that can be difficult. We can be in relationships that are challenging, but here's what we need to understand. God leads us into those times and those places and those relationships for his purposes. Why? For what the enemy means for evil, God intends for good so that lives can be changed. Have you stopped to think about this, that God might have you in the relationships in the places you are, because he wants to use you to lead them to life. Not just breathing, but life that is truly life, abundant life. Through salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them. That God wants to use you to do that. He trusts you in that. And I just want to encourage you that, that his dream for your life it's going to save lives. I remember when I was 14 years old, I, I was journaling in youth ministry and 
one night, you know, I've shared with you that, that I used to ask God some challenging questions when I was a teenager. Like, God, if you're real, can you, like, raise me up off the bed? You know? But one night, I just felt like God and I were having a surreal heart-to-heart conversation. And I, I grabbed my notebook, and I just started writing. And this is what I wrote at 14 years old. I said, God... I want to go to heaven, but I want to lead as many people as I can with me. That's what God's calling us to do. In every relationship, in every place we find ourselves, God says, I want your eternity secure, and I want you to lead as many as you can to that security. So so where are you with Jesus? Jesus. And where are you with engaging others with Jesus? Because listen, the world needs to, the world, can I just say something difficult for a second? The world needs to know more about where you stand with Jesus than anything else. If people see your social media, do they see someone who is on fire following Jesus or someone who has all kinds of rants. And I just want to encourage you to, to get locked in with Jesus. Let his power and his favor work in you and through you to lead others in the right direction. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you are good. We thank you that you do have a dream. That God, your dream is that none should perish but all come to repentance. And you've made every provision for that to be possible. You sent Jesus to die on our behalf. You you paid for our penalty of sin. You you paid for our redemption. You paid for us to be reconciled through the blood of the the cross of Christ. You you, you secured our hope and the power to have life through the resurrection. You, you, You did it all. And you set someone like a Joseph in front of every one of us at some point and made clear this life in Christ. Who didn't point to themselves, but pointed us to the Savior. Father, I'm asking for those that have never solidified that relationship with Jesus, that personal relationship with Jesus, that, that this moment is the time. where it's just a full surrender to say, Jesus, I give you everything. I'm asking you for salvation. I'm asking you to save my life. I'm asking you to give me a hope and a future and a dream for all eternity. Father, for those that are Christ's followers, I just pray that you challenge us. I pray that through this teaching, you sharpen us to have the courage to lead people to life. Life that is truly life. And God, I do want to go to heaven. And I want to lead as many people as I can there. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.